And there was another cell, uh, another paper that was written some time ago where they exposed breast cancer cells to minute amounts of glyphosate, parts per trillion, very, very tiny amounts, and they showed that it caused them to proliferate. So there's one that shows it increases the expression of enzymes that induce proliferation. There's one that shows that it causes them to proliferate at very tiny amounts. And then there's this one that shows that it increases their sensitivity to carcinogenic agents. So all of those point to a link between glyphosate and breast cancer. You're listening to Food Integrity Now with your host, Carol Gravey. It's Carol, and I'm the host of Food Integrity Now, and I'm also a holistic nutritionist and a life coach. At Food Integrity Now, we represent a few products as affiliates, and today's show is brought to you by Biocidin. Biocidin is a synergistic combination of botanical medicines that targets the entire GI tract and oral cavity, and it supports the microbiome's balance for healthy digestion and elimination. The botanicals also has systemic applications in microbial challenges wherever they occur, laboratory and clinically tested for effectiveness for over 30 years. Some of the uses of the Biocidin products are for GI dysbiosis, including candida, SIBO, pyloria, parasites, C. difficile, Lyme disease and co-infections, dental and sinus infections, mold and mycotoxins, upper respiratory infections and cold and flu, urinary tract infections, autoimmune disease, during heavy metal chelation, and any acute or chronic infection. Also, they're great as a preventative when traveling. So check them out on our website. That's foodintegritynow.org backslash biocidin, B-I-O-C-I-D-I-N. We've also done a show with Dr. Fresco, who is the creator of these products, and you can find that on our blog. I think you're going to think these products are fantastic. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Dr. Stephanie Senoff. Dr. Senoff is a senior research scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She has a Bachelor of Science degree from MIT in biology and a master's and PhD degree from MIT in electrical engineering and computer science. She has published over 200 peer-reviewed papers in scientific journals and conference proceedings. Her recent interests have focused on the role of toxic chemicals and micronutrient deficiencies in health and disease, with a special emphasis on the pervasive herbicide roundup. Her investigations have led to a strong hypothesis that glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup, is the key factor in the autism epidemic and in many other neurological and autoimmune diseases. She has authored over 30 peer-reviewed journal papers over the past few years on these topics and has delivered numerous slide presentations around the world. Dr. Seneff, welcome to Food Integrity Now. Really glad to be here. Thank you. Oh, well, I am so anxious to speak with you about some of the latest findings on glyphosate, which, as we know, is the active ingredient in Roundup. 
And I know you've been studying glyphosate for a number of years, and I'm really looking forward to sharing uh, with us some of your research that I feel is so important. But before we get started, can you give us a little bit more about your background and how you became interested in studying glyphosate? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. I, um, I have an undergraduate degree in biology from MIT, and I've always been fascinated by biology. I've always kind of kept up with it. Most of my career, I wasn't really working directly in biology. But towards about 12 to 13 years ago, I got concerned about autism. I saw the rates going up dramatically. And I thought there had to be an environmental explanation for it. So I wanted to find the answer. And I started systematically reviewing all the different chemicals that were going up also in step with glyphosate. I mean, with autism, I, I gave you the punchline there, but yeah. um, I didn't consider Roundup because Roundup is safe. I mean, everybody knows it's safe. So I didn't consider it at all. But what happened was just completely serendipitously, I heard a two-hour presentation by Professor Don Huber five, um, maybe seven so years ago. Yeah, after five <laughs> years of searching. So I had a lot of information about autism and I had and I had knowledge about the autism gut being disrupted. And I was looking for a chemical that might be causing that because I was coming up short. I thought maybe antibiotics, you know, ear infections. I was sort of struggling. It, it didn't make sense that these things would be increasing. And I couldn't really, you know, find a good explanation. So he gave this two-hour presentation and he talked about the soil bacteria, the gut bacteria, the disruption by glyphosate, which is the active ingredient Roundup, as you said. And, um, and then he talked about chelating minerals and about affecting the, the liver, uh, you know, damaging the liver, and then, um, and then about the gut-brain connection and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. I mean, I really had an epiphany during those two hours. And I pretty much dropped everything else and started pouring over the literature on glyphosate at that point. And I haven't stopped. I mean, I'm still pouring over the literature on glyphosate, as well as all the different things that it connects to. I've become an absolute, you know, I feel like I've become an expert in, in metabolism because of the effects that I believe are going on. And glyphosate is a really, really interesting molecule. And it's actually a window on life because it disrupts so many things. Uh, you, can, you can build a, a model that works really beautifully to explain all the diseases that are going up dramatically it turns out not just autism but there's a huge list of diseases i found out that are also going up exactly in step with with glyphosate one of them is liver disease and um and so i sort of take each disease and try to figure out how could i explain this and and i'm hitting gold everywhere i turn in my opinion i'm just really stunned at how well it works well and you mentioned <laughs> yeah well you mentioned liver disease so let's start there we know uh you know there's what 42,000 lawsuits right now yes um happening and and yes exactly let's start with with how it might affect uh the liver and the kidneys yeah first of all to say that the evidence is very strong there because in fact it's really recent research that's coming out um you know certainly since 2010 but even you know 2019 there's really very recent papers that are coming out where they're looking in detail at how the liver is affected by glyphosate and seeing all these enzymes that are disrupted. You know, they, they're seeing that the liver, and particularly that it causes fatty liver disease. It's very clear, even in humans. I mean, there's a brand new paper that says um, they looked at people who had fatty liver disease against people who didn't, and they measured glyphosate in the urine, and they found statistically significantly more glyphosate in the urine of people who uh, had the liver disease. And furthermore, they found a differential between the ones that had more advanced disease with more cirrhosis and things like that compared to the ones who had less advanced disease. So it was very striking that the glyphosate in the urine was correlated with the liver disease. 
And everyone's saying correlation doesn't mean causation. I'm sick of that because it's so clear to me, all these diseases are going up dramatically. And if it's not glyphosate, you have to tell me what it is, you know, and I can explain them from this mechanism, this really exotic mechanism that glyphosate has, how it could be causing these diseases. That's why I'm so excited about it. Uh, there's other papers as well on mice, on rats, on on fish, you know, all of them showing liver toxicity, very, very clear that glyphosate is very damaging to the liver. Well, what I was going to say, and it's my understanding, that's at pretty low levels of glyphosate. Exactly, below regulatory limits. And the latest uh, experiment was amazing because they exposed rats to glyphosate at levels that were below the regulatory limits. And then they found all this evidence of fatty liver disease, very, very clear. Yeah, and the kidneys as well, you know. Yes. Uh, and of course, there's kidney failure. I mean, a dramatic example is the kidney failure among the agricultural workers in Central America. I don't know if you've heard about that. Also, Sri mm-hmm. Lanka. Their men in their 40s are dying in record numbers from a very strange form of kidney failure that involves a lot of fibrosis and, um, you know, ki- kidney fibrosis. And you're seeing liver fibrosis as well. So I believe glyphosate is causing the fibrosis. And I understand how it's doing that if, you know, if my model is correct for, for the mechanism of toxicity. Wow. Well, I know you have a theory about a glyphosate and how it re- replaces the glycine molecule. Can you explain to our listeners uh, how, how you think that's happening and, and in a way that they can kind of understand? Yeah, I can try to. It's, I feel it's not that hard, but a lot of people don't have a lot of biology background, so they get lost. So I'll try. But basically, the proteins are the building blocks of the, they're the really workhorses of the body. Uh, the DNA code, you know, uh, that's in the genome, the, the genetic code information codes for the proteins. And the, pro- and, one of, and the proteins are assembled like beads on a string from amino acids. And there's about 20 of these amino acids. So those are super, super important molecules in the body. Glycine is one of them. People have probably heard of glycine. People take glycine as a supplement. And um, it's the smallest amino acid. And uh, and glycine plays many very important roles in various proteins. And you can do the research to find out. It's quite interesting. You can find cases where someone, if you have a mutation in a specific glycine, in a specific protein, then you're basically you're totally screwed. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you die at a young age of some horrible disease. I mean, there's, there can be very, very important glycine residues in certain proteins that absolutely have to be glycine or else it doesn't work, you know, other mm-hmm. places, not so bad, but um, glyphosate is a glycine molecule. It's a complete glycine molecule, except that it's nitrogen atom has extra stuff on it. It's sort of stuck some more material on top of the nitrogen atom. And that does not prevent it from going into the chain. It does not prevent it from matching perfectly to glycine in the, in the mechanism by which proteins are assembled. In other words, there is not a showstopper for why glyphosate would not be able to go in place of glycine when the protein is being assembled. The, the, the protein intends, it codes for glycine and intends to put glycine there. It sees glyphosate and says, oh, this is a glycine, I'll put it in, but it doesn't realize it misses the fact that it has this extra stuff on its nitrogen atom. So then what happens? So then what happens? Yeah, well, that messes everything up because the nitrogen atom has this extra bulk, which can get in the way of things. Proteins have to be shaped exactly right for for them to work. And there's also negative charge. That extra piece on top of the glyphosate molecule has both bulk and negative charge. And it'll make the protein more water-soluble. So it can turn a a fat-soluble protein into a water-soluble protein just with that one change. 
which can have devastating effects because the protein no longer does what it's supposed to do. Proteins can misfold. They can end up um, clogging up in the machinery in the, in the, um, in the protein uh, synthesis uh, you know, procedures because uh, they basically, um, it's sort of like putting sugar in the gas tank. Mm. So it can mess up proteins in specific ways. And so the cool thing is you can go find all kinds of papers. I mean, there's, there's an overwhelming number of papers talking about the role of glycine in various proteins. So you can actually find out which proteins would be most likely to be severely affected by glyphosate. Other ones, maybe not so much, because you can find very important glycine residues that are critical for that protein to work correctly. And you can see experiments where they've shown that that's the case. So that's what I do is I go find which proteins are likely to be most susceptible. And, um, and then I also look at which um, diseases that are going up dramatically in step with glyphosate. And then what are the proteins that are involved in those diseases? And, and in many, many cases, they line up perfectly. It's really, it, it causes it all of a sudden, I'm, I have an enormous serendipity and, you know, it's sort of a, um, I it's just breathtaking when I find out how well it all works. You know, I, it, I reached a point where I cannot believe that I'm wrong about this. Mm -hmm. and, and so when this happens, what are, I, I know you said it can be devastating. So what do you mean by that? What might happen? Right. I can give a lot of, so I actually was as homework for this guy. I figured we're going to talk about the liver and I reviewed my, you know, my knowledge of the liver, and I, would, I can identify at least five uh, proteins and protein classes that would be severely affected if glyphosate is substituting for glycine. And every one of them causes severe problems in the liver and can lead to the kinds of problems that we're seeing that are going up dramatically. And uh, the first one that I had identified was, is, is known from the research is the cytochrome P450 enzymes. There's a whole bunch of them in the liver and they play many important roles. They're also called SIPE enzymes for short. They're very, very uh, well studied. I mean, people are very interested in them because they're so important. And they do several things. One of the things they do is activate vitamin D. And we have an epidemic in vitamin D deficiency. I think it's likely because the SIPE enzymes in the liver are being disrupted by glyphosate. They uh -huh. also, yeah, and they produce bile acids. And a lot of people have problems with cholestasis, which is like, um, you know, their bile acids aren't flowing correctly. They can't digest fats. A lot of people are having problems with that that would happen if you can't make the bile acids. And those are really important for digesting the fat. So you become, you know, you go for to a low fat diet because you have trouble uh, dealing with fats. And that's not good because fats are very healthy foods, but because of your liver disruption, you know. Yeah. Well, could that be related to um, the pancreatitis then you think too? I absolutely think so. The cholestasis is definitely connected to the pancreatitis and the pancreas is also hit very hard by glyphosate, both the liver and the pancreas are hit hard because it comes in to the gut, obviously. Right. And then it, it goes, you know, through the um, hepatic portal vein, which is this major vein that connects the, the gut to the liver. So the liver's picking, and the liver's job is to get rid of toxic chemicals. So it's pulling all that glyphosate out as best it can to try to protect the rest of the body. So the liver gets hit really hard. And the pancreas is sort of, you know, subsidiary to the liver. The two of them are in really good communication. Both of them are going to get hit hard. And I think the Diabetes epidemic is another one that matches perfectly with glyphosate. Both type 1 and type 2 diabetes are going up dramatically. And type 1 is supposed to be a genetic disease, and genetic diseases are not supposed to go up dramatically. So it's very weird. But I think yeah. glyphosate is causing both of those um, due to these disruptions of various proteins. 
but the thiopia enzymes are a big one and the studies have shown rat studies have shown uh that glyphosate severely suppresses the thiopia enzymes in rat liver so that's there's evidence you know from directly from the glyphosate research literature to support that and do you think monsanto is aware of this absolutely i'm sure that monsanto is aware of the thiopia enzyme problem because <laughs> you know they couldn't possibly not know that uh, i believe that they're aware of this glycine substitution i think they they know it's happening. Uh, that's my belief. I just don't think, I can't imagine if they're that familiar with glyphosate, glyphosate that they wouldn't have figured it out. And it's extremely obvious from the enzyme that it famously disrupts. There's an enzyme called EPSP synthase, which is in a pathway called the shikimate pathway. It's a biological right. pathway. And uh, that's supposed to be how it kills the plants. So it's very specific. And the, and the really great thing is that our cells don't even have the pathway. They don't have the enzyme. We can't be affected by it. That's the story that we hear. And that's why it's such a great chemical, because it kills all the plants and doesn't affect us at all. That's the argument that they give, right? Right. And so the interesting thing is that if you look at, so they've been studying exactly how does it disrupt this protein, EPSP synthase. And what they found in many studies, what they found is that it specifically uh, messes up the binding of a, of a substrate. There's a, um, a molecule called PEP, which uh, with GPSP synthase has as one of its uh, reaction uh, inputs. And glyphosate uh, goes in place of where the PEP should fit. It blocks the PEP from fitting. And the story is that it, it blocks in, so it goes in as an independent molecule instead of PEP. That's what they say. But what they see is that there's a, a glycine residue right there at that spot that's highly conserved. And if you put glyphosate in place of that glycine residue, you will also block PEP. So the, the difference is whether it's blocking PEP by, by being an independent molecule that's going into the spot where PEP should go, or whether it's actually getting incorporated into the protein itself, the EPSP synthase, in place of that glycine. And then that piece of it that sticks out on the nitrogen atom is blocking PEP. Those are two different models for how it could be working. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think I just um, saw a study in 2019 about, you know, how the glyphosate disrupts the um, microbiome by inhibiting the shikimate pathway. Exactly. That's a major problem with, with our health because that's, and of course, they are not admitting that we have gut microbes that depend on EPSP synthase to produce uh, the aromatic amino acids, which are coding amino acids, just like glycine. There's three of them. So out of the 20, glycine and also these three aromatics, four are going to be disrupted by glyphosate. And that's going to cause a lot of problems in protein synthesis because you're going to have deficiencies in those aromatic amino acids because we depend upon our microbes to make them for us. And they're also precursors for the neurotransmitters, you know, serotonin, dopamine, melatonin, melanin, thyroid hormone, uh, folate, all these really, really important biologically active molecules come out of that shikimate pathway. And, and, you know, we're realizing now how much we depend upon our gut microbiome to serve us. They do so many good things for us. We're finding that out because they're not working correctly these days. They're being all messed up and people are having all kinds of gut issues. It's becoming a well-studied topic. Back in the, you know, 40 years ago, nobody was paying any attention to the gut microbes because they were just working fine. Nobody noticed there was any, uh, they, even what they were doing. You know, now we suddenly realize they're so important because they're not working correctly. Glyphosate is killing off the beneficial bacteria and allowing the pathogens to, to overgrow. And then we end up with all kinds of gut issues. Yeah, yeah. It, it, certainly the microbiome is being studied extensively. And 
the more the more we know about glyphosate, it seems to be one of the culprits. Yeah. Not the only culprit, but a major. Right, exactly. And you disrupt the gut microbiome, you know, that throws everything off. So many things that can go wrong when your gut bacteria is messed up. Including autism, of course. I and mean, that's something oh. that I had zeroed in on before I found glyphosate. And that was yeah. the main reason why I was so attracted to it when I heard about it, because I knew the gut microbiome was in trouble in association with autism. And I was looking for what might be causing that. That's why I really jumped onto it when I, when I heard Don Huber's talk. Yeah. Well, let's talk about autism for a minute. And we know that uh, the autism rate is just rising exponentially. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on how glyphosate, I know this is a, a loaded question, but how it affects autism? Yeah, I mean, actually many, many ways, and it gets to be more than I can talk about, but certainly the, um, the disruption of the gut microbes is major because it, it mm-hmm. messes up lactobacillus and bifidobacteria, and those two are essential, for example, even for digesting milk. So the child gets in trouble right from the get-go because it was drinking you know, soy-based formula in particular, if it's not organic, which most of it isn't, it's going to have glyphosate in it. And mm-hmm. often mother's milk has glyphosate in it, so they're getting exposed to glyphosate early on. Uh, which is killing off these beneficial bacteria, the lactobacillus and the bifidobacteria. And um, so that sort of sets them off on a bad path because they have the overgrowth of things like Clostridia uh, and desulfovibrio. These, uh, these pathogens are, are messing up um, the, all the different metabolites that come out of the gut. You know? And so they have deficiencies in certain things. They have toxins that are being distributed and those toxins get into their brain and cause an inflammation in the brain. You know, it's sort of a, a cascade effect. The gut and the brain are in very close communication. And uh, it's interesting because I really feel that when the gut bacteria are disrupted, they know how to signal to the brain, hey, gut, hey, brain, we're, we're disrupted, we're in trouble here, and you need to do something different. You know, so they're sort of, um, the gut bacteria are communicating to the brain about their stress. And then that's causing brain stress as well, sort of in a, as, a, as a reaction to the situation. So it's, it's a complicated story. Um, one of the things I've zeroed in on is sulfate deficiency and uh, glyphosate, I believe, is disrupting uh, sulfate distribution in many, many ways. And the autism brain has been shown to have deficiencies in a molecule called heparin sulfate inside the brain ventricles. And heparin sulfate in the brain ventricles is extremely important for neural development. So um, I think that deficiency is a core feature of autism. And I think it's a consequence of various chemicals, but glyphosate in particular, I see how it could be disrupting sulfate in multiple ways, sulfate synthesis, sulfate transport, sulfate transfer from one molecule to another. I think all of those are disrupted by glyphosate. And what does does sulfate do for the body? Can you just share a little bit more about that? Yeah, sulfate is fascinating. And you know, it's so common. It's sort of like oxygen. It's so common that we don't really pay attention to it. So people don't really think of it as being something you might be deficient in. I think that's a mistake. Um, it, 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 it's all, it, so it's everywhere in the body. It, 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 it attaches to, um, uh, it attaches to things like vitamin D, for example. It can allow you to transport vitamin D in your blood uh, without putting it inside an LDL particle. So, and cholesterol as well. You can send your cholesterol around in your blood as cholesterol sulfate. So it allows you to transport um, lipids, things that are not water-soluble. It makes them water-soluble by adding sulfate to them. And that's a trick the body uses to 
to transmit, uh, to transport a lot of uh, important molecules in the body, cholesterol and vitamin D, and also um, various um, neurotransmitters. You know, they're all um, they're all transported with sulfate attached to them. That's a an important feature to get them to where they need to go and to distribute them over the body. Uh, it also is all over the blood vessels. All of the, the lining of all the blood vessels has these sulfates attached to it. And there they create this gelled water along the edge that actually makes the blood vessel very slick so the red blood cells can get through the capillaries very easily. It, it creates something called it, the exclusion zone water that's very, very important along the, um, along the edge of the blood vessels and also around cells. So the cells, all of the tissues that are surrounding the cells uh, the cells populate them with sulfate in order to maintain gelled water. Um, most of the water in your body is gelled and the sulfate plays an important role in keeping it gelled. And in the brain that matters too, because for example, if you don't have enough sulfate in your brain, then your neurons are not being buffered. If you think about having your neurons encased in jello versus having them hanging out in water and imagine that you're a football player and you hit your head and your neurons are, are in water instead of being in gel, that's gonna make a huge difference in how much you damage your, your brain when you get hit. So I think the concussion, the post-concussion syndrome that we're seeing among the football players, I think glyphosate is a contributor to that, that it's causing us to be more sensitive to trauma on the brain. Wow, that is so interesting. So what, what does one do when they have a sulfate deficiency? Yeah, well, one thing is to go organic. I think that's <laughs> yeah, really well, important. Get rid of the yeah, glyphosate. Yeah. And then you can eat sulfur-rich foods. So you want to eat foods that have sulfur in them, not necessarily sulfate. There's, for example, broccoli and, and garlic, um, various sulfur-containing sulfur -containing, uh, meats, too, che uh, cheese and uh, uh, fish and seafood. Those are all high-sulfur foods. Mm -hmm. um, Grass-fed beef, you know, uh, eggs. Eggs are a good source of sulfur. So there's a lot of healthy foods that have... Um, can you, you, you can supplement with sulfur also. You can, yes. In fact, there's several supplements that contain sulfur. There's methylsulfonylmethane, which is a popular one. MSM. Yeah. MSM, you're right. I take yeah. You take it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And people don't realize like uh, alpha-lipoic acid uh, contains uh, sulfur and um, chondroitin sulfate, glucosamine sulfate, you know, people take that. That's a mm -hmm. sulfate source. Um, and uh, of course, glutathione. You know, there's sort of uh, sources for glutathione like um, uh, adenosyl methionine and, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, what is it? Uh, Anacetylcysteine. Those are uh, sulfur containing amino acids. And also taurine. Taurine mm -hmm. is a good source of sulfur. Oh, really? I have that too. Huh. Oh, you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, uh, back to glutathione, which, you know, is one of the most important antioxidants yes. for your body. I recently ex uh, experimented with having uh, IV glutathione. Yes, right. And it was wonderful. Oh, that's very interesting because I've heard of that. And that glutathione is complicated because it's three amino acids. And so people can take a sulfur-containing amino acid to help them make glutathione. But it also, one of its amino acids is glycine. And I suspect glyphosate is messing up glutathione because it might even be substituting for the glycine in glutathione. Mm. Well, I had always heard that it was better to get it IV rather than a shot or take it in a pill, pill form. So It's um, hard to get it in a pill form because your body breaks it apart. <laughs> but, right, right. But, but, um, but it, the precursors. 
Yeah, so I got a thousand milligrams, and that was um, pretty cool. Um, a friend of mine shared that who had an autoimmune disease that it really, really made a difference in her healing her autoimmune disease. With yeah, the- well, glyphosate messes up glutathione not just because it might be substituting for it, but it's been shown in studies uh, that it it uh, de- depletes glutathione in the liver, and it yeah. act it, it increases the expression of an enzyme called GGT gamma glutamyl transpeptidase that's a very interesting enzyme that enzyme if it's high in the blood it's a very good indicator of a lot of diseases liver disease kidney disease heart disease cancer it's often high in association with those diseases and uh, glyphosate causes it to go up in the liver that's been shown in multiple studies and it breaks down glutathione that enzyme breaks it down so that's an indicator that glutathione is being destroyed uh, by that enzyme in the presence of glyphosate Wow, that is so interesting. Anyway, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, Dr. Senup, is uh, the study about the aggressive breast cancer in glyphosate. Oh, I know. That's very interesting, isn't it? I've been it, looking at various studies. There's um, multiple studies on linking glyphosate to breast cancer. And the, the most recent one might be the one you're referring to, which is, are you thinking of the one where they showed that glyphosate um, basically is a trigger? Like it Yes, yes, the other yeah. it, was, it was just in September. Um, it, yes, brand new paper. Very, very yeah. interesting to me that it showed that glyphosate um, increases your uh, response to other agents that cause cancer. So it makes them more, and it does this with a lot of things because it causes a lot of things not to get broken down, like all the toxic chemicals that get broken down by the, by the liver enzymes, the SIPE enzymes. Those become more toxic because the SIPEs aren't working. But in this case, Glyphosate is sort of priming the cell to be very receptive to carcinogenic agents. So when something else that's a carcinogen comes along, the cell responds very enthusiastically and becomes cancer more quickly because of the presence of the glyphosate in advance. It's very, very interesting. It primes the cell to respond more aggressively to other carcinogenic agents. That's what that paper showed. Really, really interesting. And there's another paper recently published that showed um, they were growing breast cancer cells in vitro. Um, I think in both these cases, in both of these, that was the case. They were growing these breast cancer cells in vitro, and the, the ones that were exposed to glyphosate um, increased expression of two particular enzymes, both of which cause uh, increased proliferation. So it showed that it increased the expression of enzymes that cause cells to multiply, which is what cancer cells do. So that's another indicator of you know increasing the growth of the cancer once it's there. And there was another cell, uh, another paper that was written some time ago where they exposed breast cancer cells to minute amounts of glyphosate, parts per trillion, very, very tiny amounts, and they showed that it caused them to proliferate. So there's one that shows it increases the expression of enzymes that induce proliferation. There's one that shows that it causes them to proliferate at very tiny amounts. And then there's this one that shows that it increases their sensitivity to carcinogenic agents. So all of those point to a link between glyphosate and breast cancer. And actually, breast cancer is very interesting when you look at the epidemiology, because I did look at it, you know, uh, over time. And breast cancer is not one of the diseases that's going up exactly in step with glyphosate. However, it, it, it actually went down quite dramatically over the first part of the 2000s because of the awareness of um, the association between breast cancer and hormone replacement therapy. So people... Um, went way back on taking hormone replacement therapy once they realized that it was connected to breast cancer. And when they did that, there was an exponential drop in the breast cancer among the um, Caucasians. It was, it was, if you look at the Caucasian breast cancer 
statistics over time in America, and you see that exponential drop going up to about 2006, you can actually correct for that in the whole thing and take that out, and then you get a perfect correlation with glyphosate. In other words, you have to do some manipulation because there's another factor that's interfering with the data. You know, the lack the people not taking the hormone replacement therapy is reducing the breast cancer risk at the same time as glyphosate is increasing it. But if you take that factor out, then you can see that there's a good match. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, do yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where one there's thing, another factor. Yeah, but there's uh, something else is increasing it. So, but but breast cancer has not gone back to where it should have gone back to. If uh, if we stop taking the hormone replacement therapy, we ought to get back to the rates that we had back in the 1970s, and we're not getting back to that. We're still much higher. So it's, I think that's because of the glyphosate. Mm. Now, have you done much research regarding glyphosate and infertility? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I, I'm sure that it's connected to infertility. And there is um, papers on uh, sperm. You know, they've shown that mm-hmm. uh, glyphosate affects the sperm. Again, it's small, you know, concentrations at low levels. Glyphosate uh, disrupts both um, the viability. So the number of sperm, you know, goes down. And also the mobility, the motility of the sperm, their ability to move goes down in the presence of glyphosate. And of course, both of those are critical for fertility. So it definitely affects the male reproductive system in that respect. It's also been shown to be estrogenic. Some people say glyphosate is an endocrine disruptor, that it it acts like estrogen. Right. Um, Yeah, and that can affect female fertility. I think there's also a connection to PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. Oh. Um, which is also going up dramatically. And I believe that glyphosate is contributing to that. And that is associated with uh, fertility issues. It's sort of a, um, uh, it's an overexpression of androgen, too much androgen and not enough estrogen. It's imbalance in the sex hormones. Mm-hmm. And the androgen sort of turns the woman into kind of a, a more of a male-like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, male-like hormones. And so that um, it causes, uh, you know, the uterus to get uh, a lot of extra growth, you know, mm-hmm. and it and it causes um, infertility. It's mm. very strongly associated with infertility. Um, I was thinking, of what was the chemical that Tyrone Hayes was? Right, uh, that's atrazine. Atrazine, yeah, that yes. had some pretty definitely. That that one is really uh, really messes up the reproduction. It even causes uh, male. Uh, Frogs to become female. Right, I right. It messes I, I, up the gender. I interviewed him. What a fascinating story. I love him. He's so interesting, isn't he? I've I've heard him give two talks. Um, yeah, uh, he's, he's uh, great. Well, he's very high integrity. I mean, you know, they they tried to buy him. They tried to do everything. Oh, I know, and they threatened him too. I mean, his, they threatened I think him. He is, and- uh, you know, his relationship to atrazine is like my relationship to glyphosate. I know. I actually, I was thinking that. <laughs> and they're both yeah. herbicides. It's so interesting. I think the herbicides are way, way um, dis- uh, overlooked as a, a toxic, as a source of toxicity. You know, we, we look at the insecticides. We worry about insecticides on the, on the crops, you know, um, on the fruits and whatnot. But we yeah. don't realize that the herbicides are, I think, more toxic on average even than the insecticides. I mean, they're all bad. Yeah. But, um, but glyphosate has just become so, we've become so comfortable with it. You know, people know they can buy Roundup and use it in, in their yard. Oh, I, know. And they, I know, I know. It's really scary. I see it, I so see it happening it. all the time, you know, just yeah. neighborhood. And, uh, you know, and then we have France, 
is going to ban 36 glyphosate products by 2020. You know? Isn't that exciting? I know. And, and uh, Austria, I believe, oh, Austria banned it completely, but I think they're getting some pushback. I mean, they're, they're being told that they're not allowed to do that. I oh, mean, gosh. I how they're putting all the control at the top, at the very top, you know, mm-hmm. and then they, of course, buy the top. I mean, they can easily control a few individuals at the very top of the, of the mm-hmm. chain of, of control. Like the, these these agreements that they that they work out, you know, the transatlantic and transpacific agreements. They often have clauses in there that that in, prevent individual co- countries from taking action. You know, they're very clever. These chemical industry folks. Oh, oh cleverest. yeah. Oh, they 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 thought this through. Yeah, they they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing at how good they are at um, yeah keeping their yeah. products going <laughs> yeah. despite the well, evidence. <laughs> I just got an email today from my friend Zen at Moms Across America and was just recently informed by the EPA that they uh, would have a preliminary assessment in early 2020 on whether to renew the license of glyphosate. Wow. I think they're going to, I think they're going to renew it. I know. Well, the EPA thinks it's perfectly safe and they're determined to stay with that they don't really think it's perfect. Let's give it. You know, they don't. You know, um, Ivagalos Valianatos, I've, you know, I interviewed him. We, we, He's a great guy. I know him too. We, yeah. we kind of know what the EPA is up to, but um, yeah. they're going to stand by their story. That's for sure. Yeah. And of course, Trump, Trump said to Monsanto, I have your back. I've got your back with respect to all these lawsuits, you know. Yeah, so we're we're backing up yeah. Monsanto to say those lawsuits are all you know I, ridiculous. I really believe it's just up, it's up to us. Oh, I think so too, and I think people do have power with their pocketbooks, and I think if people can just really wrap their yeah. brain around the idea, I have to buy organic, not just for me. I mean, certainly to make myself healthy, but also to promote organic farming. Because if you refuse to buy the toxic food, they won't make it. All we yeah. have to do is refuse to buy it. But people have to be convinced that it matters. Yeah, I was having a conversation just this morning. I was in my one of my local grocery stores called Barron's, and they carry a lot of organics. And one of the managers there, she knows I'm a nutritionist and what I do, and she started asking me some questions, and I really had to educate her more about glyphosate. Yeah. Really need to eat all, and you know, and I explained why, and I said, and and we want to support the organic industry too. Yeah you know, and here she is, you know, the manager of this big grocery store, but she's, she's curious and she thanked yeah. me, you know, for the information. So uh, I guess my point in sharing that was that we all have such personal power to share. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we just, I do our grocery store just opened up in our area. We went to it and we, they had, you know, several organic choices, but it wasn't as much as we would have hoped for. And we talked to them about that. We said, well, why don't you offer more organics? They said, well, we have to cater to our clientele, you know, and we have people who don't, who want to save money by not buying the organic food. We have to offer that to them, you know? So it's sort of like if consumers just say, I won't buy it, you know, they'll stop putting it on the shelves. I feel we have to, all of us have to really get into our head, the fact that we have to buy organic. You, know? you have to buy organic. I mean, just listening. For your sake, for your own yeah. sake. <laughs> for your own sake and the sake of humanity. Exactly. <laughs> frankly, you know. Yeah. That's why, you know, I, I've been, I, I'm a glyphosate junkie too. You know, I'm, I've been, you know, interviewing people about it. And, and some people have said, well, you know, we kind of know everything we need to know. No, we don't. And there's, yeah. there's people who really don't get it yet. 
Right. And so the education is really key. So um, do you have anything else to share with our listeners? Uh, well, I should say a little more about liver because it's quite an okay, interesting let's, story. Okay, let's go on about the liver. There's, there's two more stories. I, I did the side enzymes already. Okay. And, um, and I did the cholestasis, uh, you know, the, because of the side enzymes, the, the bile acids don't flow. But there's a... Um, there's an enzyme in the liver called, well, it's a very important enzyme in the body, but it's expressed heavily in the liver. It's called PEPCK, phosphoenolpyruvate carboxykinase. Oh my that, God. That's a big name, but it, <laughs> PEP is part of its name. And actually PEP is something it binds to. And it binds to PEP at a place where there's a glycine and also exactly the same kind of setup as there is in EPSP synthase. In other words, if glyphosate suppresses EPSP synthase, by whatever mechanism, and I believe it's by substituting for that glycine residue, PEPCK has exactly the same setup. So you would anticipate that glyphosate would also suppress PEPCK just by logic, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and if it substitutes for that glycine, it does exactly the same thing there as it does in EPSP synthase, which is the one they've, they've learned about and they've studied. They know in, in, EPS, in, in EPSP synthase that if you substitute that glycine by alanine, change the code, that enzyme is completely immune to glyphosate. So that glycine is absolutely essential for the enzyme to be affected by glyphosate. And PEPCK has the same pattern with the same, with also with the highly conserved glycine at that place where the PEP binds. So it's really, you know, the same setup. You would predict that glyphosate would suppress it. And if glyphosate suppresses it, it causes fatty liver disease and it causes uh, all kinds of metrics to, to change in the liver that do change when the liver is exposed to glyphosate. In other words, the studies have shown a whole bunch of things that get affected. I mentioned uh, the G, GGT going up, fatty liver disease. It, glyphosate causes fatty liver disease at low doses. If you disrupt PEPCK, you get fatty liver disease. Uh, glyphosate causes a depletion of glycogen in the liver. That's also explained by PEPCK. And glyphosate causes overexpression of some enzymes called AST and ALT. That's also explained by PEPCK deficiency. In other words, if glyphosate is disrupting PEPCK, it would cause the things that glyphosate is causing from the studies that they've done. It would all make sense. And PEPCK looks just like EPSP synthase in terms of the binding of PEP at that site where the glycine is. So it's really nice science, you know? that you can mm-hmm. explain it from multiple directions, both from the studies, what you've seen in the obser- observed in the studies where glyphosate exposure to animals and because of the chemistry of how that enzyme works and the prediction of what, that, what a deficiency in that enzyme would cause is exactly what glyphosate causes as far as the pattern of how the liver changes. So, and that would explain the fatty liver disease, which is an epidemic and it's going up in step with glyphosate usage on core crops. So, you know, the whole thing comes together very, very nicely. This is what I'm finding with the different diseases that I've studied. I can often identify a specific enzyme that would be, that would explain uh, the effects. You know, that's why I'm so excited because once you assume that glyphosate is substituting for glycine in proteins, uh, you can go really play a big game. You can go and look for proteins with glycines, you know, that uh, if they're disturbed, you have these symptoms. And then if glyphosate's exposure, you have those same symptoms. You can really draw a lot of inference, you know, to figure everything out. And I'm writing a book on glyphosate right now, and I'm putting a lot of that into the book. Oh, so. great, great. When will that be out? I don't know. It, I've, got a, I've got a publisher, and uh, they're, uh, they're going to review it, and I, they're probably going to want a lot of changes. So we'll see. Sometime this year, I'm hoping. Great, great. 
Well, that'll be, we'll have to have you back on here with your new book <laughs> when it comes out. That's great. So do you get much pushback from either MIT or? MIT has been great. They have been that, great. I, that's what I thought. I think that's yeah. wonderful. I am so happy about MIT. I'm, I've been, you know, looking over my shoulder. I was expecting someone's going to come at me and say, no, you have to stop doing this. And they have not. And my and uh, the head of my lab is very supportive. Uh, my funding agency has continued to fund me. I basically, I, I've been funded by the same company in Taiwan, it's a computer company in Taiwan, for many many years, even perhaps decades. You know, they go way back. So I, you know, 13 years ago, I said, hey, I want to you know switch over to this work on biology and and toxic chemicals, and they said fine. And so they have been supporting my work ever since then. I am so grateful for the company to continue to support my work when I'm in this kind of place where a lot of people don't want to hear what I'm saying. You know, there are a lot right. of enemies who would rather shut me down. MIT has been great and my funding agency has been great. So I'm so appreciative of that. And I really wish there were, you know, more, I think it's hard for people to get funding for the kind of thing that I do. And I think that's unfortunate because there's a huge uh, research literature out there in biology and people are doing new studies all the time and publishing new papers, but most people are so busy with the, with their own experiments that they don't have time to pour over the research literature. You know, they just grab a, a moment here and there to read a paper. If your full-time job, which is where I am right now, full-time job is to read papers and write papers uh, in biology, you have much more time to really absorb the research literature and make sense out of it. You know, mm -hmm. it's a synthesis of ideas in biology that comes from, um, massive reading of the literature rather than actually doing hand, hands-on work. Mm -hmm. Most of the funding supports people doing new work and the new work is necessary and very, very important. I couldn't do anything without it. Right. Mm -hmm. But you need to have more people at the top sort of looking over all the work and trying to pull the story together and figure right. everything out. Right. Yeah. That seems really important. Well, do you uh, have any opinions about how people can get glyphosate out of their body. Now we're talking after, you know, after going to organic and, and right. not reintroducing glyphosate on a regular basis. Do you, have you found anything that you think can assist with getting glyphosate out of the body? Well, I actually think sulfur becomes important in that respect. So as I said, I, I really work hard to eat sulfur containing foods. And also I, I soak in Epsom salt baths. I like to do Epsom salt baths. You can absorb sulfate through the skin. Epsom salts are, are magnesium sulfate. Right, right. That's oh, an good. easy way to I, get sulfate. I, I do both those things. Great. You're good. <laughs> and sulfate is important for, to be able to um, break down uh, debris. And one of the debris problems you're going to have is glyphosate contaminated protein. So I think we get, we build up glyphosate contaminated proteins. And if we have trouble with, breaking down debris our cells accumulate garbage that they can't clear and that garbage is contaminated with glyphosate that they can't clear either so if they can break down those proteins they can free up the individual glyphosate molecules and then they can hopefully flush it out through the urine otherwise well, it just sticks around well don huber had talked one time about um fulvic and humic acid absolutely yes i that's good i've heard a lot of good uh, stories about fulvic and humic acid which is organic matter from the soil yeah. Um, supposedly it binds to glyphosate and carries it out through the feces. That's what people think, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's also things that can break down glyphosate non-enzymatically. 
Um, this is something that's very, very controversial, chlorine dioxide. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Uh, MMS, Magic Mineral Supplement, I think it's called, MMS, chlorine dioxide. Mm -hmm. It's uh, very controversial. The U.S. government um, and the U.S. medical industry are coming down really hard on it. They're calling it very, very toxic, which it isn't. It's, it's something <laughs> that's used in uh, water purification. You know, oh. um, it, it's, an, it's an antimicrobial agent. So it's, a, it's an oxidizing agent, actually. Uh, but it's a relatively mild oxidizing agent. But it's very, um, it's one of the few things that can break glyphosate down non-enzymatically. And people are having really good success with it, uh, taking chlorine dioxide to treat a lot of different things, malaria, autism, um, in your mouth if you have a, 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 fest a tooth that's um, uh, an abscess. Abscess. Oh, okay. Abscess. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, it apparently can really perform miracles with an abscess tooth, just using it as a mouthwash, you know. Huh. So it helps you know, to cure, uh, kill the pathogens, but it also helps to, uh, I think, break down the glyphosate. And it, I believe, helps to oxidize sulfur because it's very specifically oxidizes sulfur, which is good because it helps to make sulfate. So I think chlorine dioxide is quite interesting. I know a woman, Carrie Rivera, who has had tremendous success uh, in a treatment program that involves a lot of different nutritional supplements and whatnot. But a critical piece of her program is chlorine dioxide. And she has reversed autism in over 550 patients, reversed it. And what is her name? Carrie Rivera, K-E-R-R-I, Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A. Very interesting person. And she's very okay. passionate about her work. Um, and, uh, and she believes that chlorine dioxide is an essential part of a treatment program if you're going to reverse autism. I wonder if uh, there's a product on the market um, called Purinize, which they're, they're using. Um, it, it's actually sold to people that are like camping and stuff like that. To, it, oh, to, yeah. Oh, that's probably but, the same thing. <laughs> there is, I can't think of her, Julie, I can't think of her last name right now, but she's a, she's a doctor. And she actually had Don Huber down in Florida with the Red Tide stuff and mm and also Howard Vlieger. And one of the things that they're using is Purinize. Clean it up some be. of the glyphosate out of the water. And that, So that might be the same thing because I know that you can get this chlorine dioxide, you can order it on the web and take it with you camping. And so if you want to try to drink the water out of the river, you know, to use yeah, the local water, you want to put this in there to, do, to uh, disinfect so it. I'm, so I'm curious. I actually, I actually have an affiliate with them, full disclosure, on my website, and I think they're a great product. So I'm going to mm, ask them if this is in their product because I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, I bet you it might be. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And of course, so that, it's also used in uh, you know, sanitation for food, and food, the food industry uses it to keep things clean. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not it's not very toxic, but it is it is uh, you know it's not benign. But anything that's going to actually do something, you know, has to have some punch, right? And it it, right. it is an oxidizing agent, so it can cause oxidative damage. But you know, oxygen is much more oxidizing than it is, and that doesn't tell us not to breathe. So I mean, you need oxidizing agents sometimes in order to be able to get your biology to work correctly, and that's uh, it's a question of balance, right? And not taking too much. I mean, you certainly right. don't want to overdose on it, but drugs are, many drugs are much more toxic than chlorine dioxide. Yeah. Including well, drugs that are recommended for autism. There's these incredibly toxic um, psych drugs, you know, antipsychotics that are, that are uh, uh, approved for autism. 
and have horrendous side effects. I've looked at, at the database, um, the FDA's adverse event reporting system, and it's just horrendous the number of side effects that you get from these drugs that are being widely uh, prescribed for autistic kids. I think it's a huge mistake. Mm. And yet they get all upset about chlorine dioxide, which I think is way, way overdone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but it's cheap. It's not patentable. I mean, these are the reasons, right. the reasons I get it. why. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, yeah, there's always a reason. You know, they can't make money on it. So yeah, they have to kill it if they can't make money on it. That's just the way it works. Yeah. Well, this has been a very interesting information. Do you do you have any other advice for our listeners today? Is yeah, I guess so. I, I always say eat sulfur-containing foods. Uh, Epsom salt baths, I think, are a really um, good thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sunlight. I really believe in sunlight exposure to the skin and to the eyes. I think it's a very healthy thing to do is to just get out in the sun without yeah. sunscreen, without sunglasses. I really believe in sunlight. I think it helps to helps the body uh, to um, to make sulfate, actually. So I've, I've done research on that. Yeah. But that's I a way to boost your sulfate. I know that uh, Dr. Mercola, who I, I follow also, he, he moved to Florida for that very reason. So. Mm. More that makes sense. Yeah. yeah he wanted yeah, to he be. really likes sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. That really makes a lot of sense. Anyway, thank you so much for being our guest today and, and for all the great research you're doing on glyphosate. And we're certainly glad you're doing it because we're learning so much more every day. And I can clearly hear your passion. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating molecule. And unfortunately, I love a puzzle and I love biology. So I'm kind of in my work, I'm extremely happy. I'm just so frustrated with the uh, inability to get the message out to a larger audience because there's all the pushback, you know, and there's all the denial. And it's just very frustrating to see. Yeah, it, it is. Um, we certainly have to be tenacious these days, don't we? To, yes. To just, uh, you know, you and your work and me and just getting the word out and not assuming everybody knows that I need to move on to a new subject. No, this is an important one. (laughs) And I'm going to stick with it. So again, thank you for our listeners uh, for being here today. I just, uh, I just think this information is so valuable and eat organic. I mean, you know, that's the most important message, I think. Yeah, or grow your own food. (laughs) Right, you may have to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Even the organic, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, I think we do, you know, people say, oh, organics this and organics that. It's the best we have. It is. And, you know, the organic will get better as more and more people eat it because it won't be as contaminated by the glyphosate that's in everywhere all around it. Right. You right. Know, the glyphosate that's coming from the non-organics will disappear if the, non- if the non-organics disappear. Yeah. So if, by eating organic, you're encouraging the farmers to grow organic, which is reducing the glyphosate exposure all around, you know. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Senoff. Uh, It's been great having you on the show and uh, we'll get you back when your book comes out. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for what you do. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye.